There were once two old farmers. They were neighbors, in fact, but there had been a feud running between them for several years. And as a result of that feud, they hadn't even spoken to each other for several years. And the whole thing started over a cat. You see, this cat was a stray cat, but both of the farmers began to feed the cat and then claimed the cat as its own. Now, the cat didn't care. It just liked the fact that it got food from two different people. And from there on, everything started to go downhill. They stopped talking to each other. The grudge escalated to a point that one of them even dug a ditch to reroute a spring to make sure that 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 spring resulted in a creek that then divided their property. One day, a carpenter came through the area looking for some work, and he knocked on the door of one of the farms. And the farmer said, if my neighbor is going to try to divide us with this ditch, then I'm, I might as well finish the job. I, in fact, I don't even want to look at him any longer. So he asked the carpenter to build him a fence all the way across the property, a nice, big, tall fence. And the carpenter said, well, okay, I can do that, but it's going to take a lot more wood than you currently have. So the farmer went into town to buy some more wood, and the carpenter started working with the wood that was there on the property. Sometime later, the farmer came driving back down the dirt road to his home. And when he looked across the field, he didn't see a fence going up. Instead, he saw that the carpenter had built a bridge across that creek. The farmer approached the carpenter, getting ready to yell at him because he wanted a fence, not a bridge. But when he got there, coming across the bridge was his neighbor, walking towards him with his hand outstretched. His neighbor said to him, you're a brave man. I didn't think you'd even want to hear the sound of my voice ever again. Can you forgive me? The first farmer was pretty surprised and taken aback, and, and he didn't know what to do. And the next thing he realized, he was sticking his hand out to shake that first neighbor's hand. And then he found himself saying, I knew it was your cat all along. See, that story is by a songwriter, David Wilcox, and he used it as an introduction to a song called Fearless Love. And the song goes on to weave together another narrative about a church protest and a person caught up in it, remembering Jesus' teaching to his disciples to love their enemies by using that example of carrying a Roman soldier's pack twice the distance that was required. The chorus says, fearless love makes you cross the border. The love that Jesus embodied in our world was indeed a fearless love. The love of Jesus defies and overcomes fear. So today, on this Christmas morning, as we conclude our journey through the Advent, we're focusing on the love that Jesus brought into our world and into our lives. Each week during this sermon series, we focused on a different attribute of God represented in the coming of Jesus. We've looked at hope, peace, joy, and today, love. And as we've journeyed through the Advent season, we've been looking at different people in the Nativity story. 
But today, I want to take a little bit different approach. Instead of looking at an individual person, I want to look at all of the people in the biblical account of Christ's birth. And when we do, we realize that the birth of Christ brings together a wide variety of people across many different divides and contrasts. If we walk through the story, we start with Zechariah and Elizabeth, and Mary and Joseph, the old and the young. Then we meet the shepherds and the angels, beings of earth and of heaven, the physical and the spiritual. And as we head into the stable, they're, they're the animals as well as the humans. And when we look at Matthew's account, we, we see the Magi. And as we know, even though we know that they're not there in the stable, but we have to question, who are these mysterious visitors from the East? We're not entirely sure, but we do know that they had followed a star a long distance to find and to worship the promised Messiah. Magi are noble and wealthy men who demonstrate God bridging even more divides. The Magi are the esteemed opposite to the lowly shepherds when it comes to the human social structures. But importantly, they're Gentiles. They're not Jews, and their inclusion in Jesus' birth story echoes the radical idea that Christ the Messiah brings salvation and restoration to all people, not just the Jews. The Magi are also a a sort of holy men. Now, there are no Pharisees or Sadducees or spiritual VIPs there. Instead, there are these travelers of a different race who receive an audience with King Herod, who are willing to disrupt their lives with a great journey and to humble themselves to worship the child of poor, unassuming couple. This cast of characters that God has assembled is is far from the expectations any of us would have imagined. In fact, it would seem like a ragtag bunch that was there. To them, it was downright blasphemous that the Messiah would be so lowly and associated with a full spectrum of unclean humanity and creation. Could Jesus have united any more divisions simply by being born. He pretty much covered all of them. And in so doing, God revealed three things about his love that I'd like for us to explore today. Number one, Christ is love embodied. The Bible talks about love in many different places. God is love, and the Bible is his love story for all of humanity. From creation, God made people and shared time with them in the garden as companions and as his children. When sin entered the world, bringing death and brokenness and separation from such a close companionship with God, he continued to work and to covenant with humans. He worked his plans and promised a Messiah to make a way to restore his relationship with humanity. That way is Jesus. This relationship with God that he brings us into is a relationship of love. The Apostle John eloquently describes the love of God in the fourth chapter of his letter, 1 John, where it says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. 
Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. John is telling us that God is love. God personifies it. His love is his very nature, and he has shown it to us by sending Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, giving him our lives, we are restored to love. We're fulfilled in love. We live in him, and he will live in us. We can count on God's love because it will not let us down. It will fill us and it will fuel us. It calls us and enables us to love each other. Which brings us to our second point. Love defines and propels us. Jesus brought this reconnection and restoration to love himself when he entered this world. Near the end of his earthly ministry, as he is gathered with his twelve disciples for the last meal together, he tells them this in John 13. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. As Jesus teaches his his disciples. He wants to make sure that they love like he does. And here's the most important part. How will people know that they are followers of Jesus? By the love they show to other people. You've probably heard it before. How will people know that we are Christians? By our love. Love is what defines us. It, It marks us. It characterizes us, at at least it should. The church hasn't always been so great at this. We, as a church body, don't always do a great job at this. We also must look at ourselves. None of us are perfect as individuals or collectively as a church, but each of us can certainly find opportunities in this Christmas season and in our current cultural climate to allow God's love to flow through us to others. Which brings us to our third and final point. Love empowers us to cross the borders. We're living in divided times. It seems our culture 
our nation, our world, our people have multiplied the ways to divide us. Masks, no masks. Vaccinations, no vaccinations. Race, it's divided in our world. The us and the thems have been running pretty high as of late. Now, there have always been the weak and the powerful, the haves and the have-nots. There have been too much us versus them since Jesus' day, and even farther back in history, and sadly, it's still here today. And that's why Jesus' teaching is so radical. It's why God's love is so radical. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus didn't only tear down the walls of division at his birth. He continuously reached across that that chasm of separation and exclusion. He befriended hated tax collectors and even invited one of them, Matthew, to follow as one of his 12 disciples. He spoke with the Samaritan woman at the well, which broke multiple social taboos at all at once. He told his listeners that if a dreaded Roman soldier forced them to carry a pack for a mile, which the soldiers could and did do, to carry it for two miles instead of just the one that was required. One of Jesus' most powerful stories about this kind of unexpected love and action is the story of the Good Samaritan. A traveler is robbed and beaten and left for dead on the side of the road. A priest came along and crossed the road to avoid the bloody scene. An assistant priest came along and did the exact same thing, but But finally, a Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he stopped to help. He bandaged the man's wounds, put him on his donkey, delivered him to an inn where he paid the innkeeper to take care of this man. This is a challenging story for us today. But it was even more astounding to the listeners in Jesus' day, because the Jews hated the Samaritans. The racism against the Samaritans went back centuries. The Jews considered them an inferior race with a corrupt religion and viewed them with prejudice and disdain. But this, this is who Jesus was holding up as an example of loving our neighbor. Jesus was crossing that divide. He reached across the cultural, the spiritual, the political, and even the racial divisions. And today he calls us to do the exact same thing. Jesus was illustrating the kind of love that John would later describe again in John, 1 John chapter 4, where he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Jesus' love is a fearless love that, that calls us and enables us to cross the borders, to tear down the barriers, to reach out above the disagreements. Love overcomes the fear of the other. 
who may not look like us, may not sound like us, may not share the same perspective or the, the same experiences as us. Maybe. Maybe reaching across that divide will begin in your family. Or maybe it's in your home or your neighborhood or your uh, workplace or community. But Jesus, at Christmas, on this Christmas morning, and all the time calls us together into his loving presence. And he invites us to make room for everyone. Whether we think they deserve it or not. You see, there is a humility in love, a willingness to put someone else first. Sometimes love means taking the simple step of building a bridge instead of a fence. Of, of sometimes it's being willing to listen and not to defend ourselves. It's always being willing to choose to see someone else not as an other, but as us equally loved by God, equally welcomed into his presence, equally drawn into and propelled out of his miraculous, divine, all-consuming love. This is God's love. This is the gift of Christ. And this is the very heart of Christmas. So here on Christmas morning, I invite and I challenge all of us to rediscover Christmas by rediscovering the overwhelming, all-encompassing, all-welcoming love of God. I want to leave you with this question this morning. Where can you build bridges instead of walls? Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the fact that you will always love us and that you're willing to cross even the biggest divides to reach people for you. Help us. Help us to do the same. Help us to see everyone, whether they agree with us or not, as your beloved children. Help us to build bridges instead of walls. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.